this is uh, this is Matthew on the on the the podcast for the network, uh, and I'm joined today by Dr. Jackie Mulligan. Um, and for those of you who saw the Future Thinkers uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Jackie was one of our guests uh, on the Future Thinkers when we spoke about the future of the high street. So, Jackie, thanks ever so much for coming along with us. Oh, thank you for inviting afternoon. me. I just wanted to carry on the conversation. There you go. You've you've got our catchphrase in there straight away. I didn't even have to prompt you for that, did I, Jack? That is that's brilliant. We we had a really fun evening, wasn't it? It was. It was one of those where you could have just carried on. I mean, it was a really good bunch of people. Loads of really interesting perspectives from people doing physical premises to an actual business to uh, us doing the sort of digital bit and very well as well. Jackie, I can I can have praise all day and every day. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's I, I I did nothing other than um, other than sit there. You lot did the hard work, but I yeah. I had um, I had in my head, and I, I really wasn't sure where the conversation was going to go to. But I had in my head that it was um, yeah. I, I I thought it was it was really going to be sort of opening our eyes to to what's going to come out of, of post COVID and. Really, what would be a future, uh, a really positive future, and I think that's what we got out of the evening, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the one. I think we tackled more about the changes we've been seeing. I think there's the future bit is coming out of all of the things that we were actually supporting, like whether it's micro businesses and community, or there was the talk around uh, parklets and you know pedestrianisation and what contributes. They're all big trends that are changing the high street and have been accelerated because of COVID. So, so how long have you actually been involved with the high street? I mean, what's your back, background, Jackie? Well, it's not in the high street. I mean, I've been doing Shop Happy for five years okay. up in July, which is I'm finding hard to, to believe. Yeah. But um, but basically, I was in academic. I, uh, I was an academic. I did uh, work on events, events management and tourism. I worked in the Caribbean. Uh, so uh, sorry, Jackie. Can I stop you there? You, you were an academic in the Caribbean. No, no, I was no, because that would be like the dream. That's the dream <laughs> right? gig, isn't it? No, I was actually a communications manager in the Caribbean. So I had to work okay. really hard. Yeah, and I couldn't, you know, write papers for a hammock okay. on an island. <laughs> um, but then when I when I came back to the UK, I worked as an academic for a lot of years. And but I, a lot of my research was on so um, you know future trends, social corporate social responsibility, sustainability, and creativity as well. Okay. And um, but I, it was when I was doing my I was doing a doctorate on uh, what makes us creative, what makes us inspired. Yeah. And it started to make me look look more clearly at where I lived and how the physical environment affects how we feel, how self determined we are, how creative and enterprising we are as communities. And it just struck me that it was just totally unfair that people were living in places which were had just simply been decimated by. Um, lack of investment uh, by obviously the online giants and we needed to level it up because everybody deserves to live in a place yeah that feels like a place yeah and 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 that Jackie is where I thought the conversation really was going to go a couple of weeks back because I'd I'd sort of spent some time in my head thinking well this is how we develop a community and if we're going to develop a community this is where it comes from sort of grassroots level and uh, and things like that but what I didn't realize and what you only just mentioned to me is that that is your whole that's your whole essence isn't it 
That's yeah. When what we our mission is to create better places to live and work okay. for people, and a lot of that is linked to how they feel when they walk down their own high streets. Yeah. If you're walking down and you're seeing shuttered shops, it starts to affect your mental health. It starts to affect how safe you feel, and um, and how engaged you feel with the community. And the less we do it, the more it affects us. So. You know, COVID was this forced detachment from where we live and forced detachment from community and neighbours. And I think it made us realise how much we were taking for granted. Yeah. And I think that's why we're now seeing high streets busy, cafes, bars, people really wanting the social interaction because you miss it when it's gone. But the reality was, if perhaps if this hadn't happened, high streets would have slowly declined into oblivion anyway. So I know when we came out of the 2007 recession i know we didn't come out in 2007 but there there was all this discussion that um effectively the high street just became a center for charity shops wasn't there and and Mm. and that's what i mean even walking down stony stratford high street which i'm near at the moment um that's you know there, there was a massive growth in charity shops is that is that is that really as a direct result of, or is that has led to almost poor poor wellness in the community? Do you think not not the charity shop per se, but just that decline, or is that? Well, I think there has there's. I don't think charity shops are, are the issue necessarily. It's just that the mix mm. of local businesses has changed over time. There are places which will say we've got all we've got is cafes, and places that would say all we've got is hairdressers and nail salons, yeah. and others that will say all we've got is charity shops. The point is that. If you live in a community with diverse interests and mixes, which we all do, your high street should be more reflective of that mix. Okay. And as soon as a high street becomes very mono in what it's doing, it starts to be less relevant to more of the community and then becomes a kind of, you know, it accelerates its decline. So I think that the biggest thing is um, that we need a mixed economy, that we need to think about inclusivity, that, you know, we want older people to feel catered for, younger people to feel catered for, that it reflects our community and our identity. And that means everything's different. I mean, one thing we were suffering from way before COVID was clone town. Mm. You know, that every every high street starts to look the same. I remember going to a few town centres with my daughter and she, she asked me a couple of times, are we where, you know, are we in this place? No, well, that's where we were last week. I know this looks like the same place, but this is actually a different place. It shouldn't feel like that. <laughs> I mean, how outrageous is that? But she was a young kid and she couldn't see any difference. It still had the same staples as the high street. And in a way, that's, you know, what COVID has done. There's been a lot of the giants have fallen, the big, you know, multinationals, which is terrible for loss of jobs and all of that. But perhaps it is that rejection of sameness and blandness that impacts all of our high streets. And and what... If we go back a little bit before all of this, what what actually brought us to this very monochrome high street where we, where we had so much so much? What what took the diversity out of there in the first place? Oh gosh, I think there's many factors. I think one of them is uh, first of all rates. Yeah, would be an issue. So you know you have rates that make it actually less financially viable for you to invest in the town centre. Yeah. Uh, as a small business, you know, you're going to pay paying 50, 51% of your property value, you know, rates, etc. So it's a very antiquated system that's deeply flawed and basically disincentivizes people to invest in their and have places in their own town centres. Mm. So then it, uh, only certain levels of business can join. We also have departments that historically 
always went for the anchor stores. There was a big thing about anchor stores. You need that big chain. Yep. So everyone's rivaled for the same big chain that they want in their town centre. We have planning, which then starts to enable out-of-town retail parks. So you decenter the town centre and the, t- the retail park has the free parking and everything you need in one place, whereas the town centre was the original. You have planning decisions where houses aren't put in the town centre. Therefore, you have everybody relying on a car journey. So parking becomes even more important. Yeah. And then, of course, you have the Amazon uh, online giant and others who basically can get away with um, selling pure, being purely online, having a warehouse, paying a fraction of the cost and probably not paying all the taxes as they should, all in one place. So I think all of that creates a perfect storm. And what we, what we saw was that the smaller businesses were finding their way in markets. Yep. So market traders, pop-up events, the pop-up starts to emerge because that's the only affordable way of the small independent surviving. And we just have this incredible churn on our high streets of independence that can't necessarily survive and this changing consumer habit. The other thing is, I think that there's been a constant narrative for years that the high street's dying. Yeah, it's almost and, like we've and, spoken ourselves into it, isn't it? Well, totally. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It was how it was when we were going to the recession. Everybody talks about yeah. the recession, the recession happens. So you, every time a big chain closes... It's, oh my gosh, it's the death of the high street, da, da, da. No, it's not. It's the death of this business. It's a real shame. There's thousands of people that have been unemployed now as a result of that. But that's also because of flawed boardroom decisions that didn't adapt, didn't encourage local relevancy, didn't change with the times. So it isn't a fault of a place. It's a fault of a business. And it isn't a dying high street that's evolving. So the whole narrative has to change. And, and the more you tell people there's nothing on the high street, the more they believe nothing's on the high street. Yeah, and they're, they're quite happy to get into their car and take those journeys. And Oh, yeah. just order online. Yeah. What's happened is the gap of convenience. I mean, you if you can get something delivered to your house in three hours, you know, the, it becomes quite, or even in an hour. Yeah, yeah. You, that, that closes the kind of idea of why would you go into a town and I think we all got very sort of well why would you and the other the other thing and what Shop Happy was created to do was to, to cross that gap yeah because for me I was sitting there with money to spend on a on a ring road getting home too late the shops are closed and seeing that my choices were you stop off at one of the supermarkets on the way home or you go on Amazon or you go on any of these main online giants to get what you need because you haven't got time yes. to go on, on the off chance. You might find what you need. And there's absolutely no digital visibility of what's on your high street. And it, I thought, how is it? How is it easier for me to, to shop from China than it is for my own local high street online? It, it just seems so ridiculous. It, it, it completely boggles the mind, doesn't it? When you, when you yeah. think of it like that, where, where we're, we're shipping all this in. And I think oh, just yeah. going back to, to where we are with COVID times, really, we're, we're now seeing all these docks and ports and um, sort of storage yards just chock-a-block full of containers because of our... Mm-hmm our sort of dependence on that style of shopping, haven't we? I know. And I, and I think that what, what COVID did when, when suddenly the supermarket didn't have toilet yeah. and hand sanitizer, our corner shops were jumping to the ball going, we've got tons yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and suddenly everybody, I think, became much more aware of how globally reliant we are. I'm not, not saying, you know, I'm, I'm for a global economy and for, for open, you know, global trade and all of those things. But... You know, localization of supply chains is important for sustainability. It is absolutely awful that 
we create so much waste and so much uh, carbon because we want a particular thing and we could just get off our bums and walk down to the high street and get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But that, in fact, no, we're getting it shipped from Beijing. <laughs> it just uh, it astounds you, doesn't it, when you really think of it in, in terms like that. Can I, can I just take you back to... Um, you were speaking just a little bit ago about uh, flawed boardroom decisions. Yeah. Um, and one of the questions that we were asked from the future thinkers was, um, should, in terms of retail design, should change do more to localise their brand? So I'm, I'm guessing what that's saying is, is should, should the actual business, and I, and I know businesses work on mass marketing and there's a message to suit possibly the, the country rather than the town, but should, should the business have more of an understanding of the town and the community that they're actually working in and perhaps that would stop this flawed boardroom de- um, decision from coming out? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you I know, got there in the end, didn't basic, I? <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, brands like, you know, some of the major brands we have believe they are above place. Yeah. And they're not. They're absolutely directly impacted by the success of those around yeah. them. And um, so if they don't connect and don't say, I'm part of Stratford or I'm part of Salisbury or wherever they are, and celebrate that and recognise their stake in the community, why should the community be loyal or supportive of them? Mm. And I think um, what we have is there's loads of local initiatives that happen from whether it's the Shop Happy platform to, uh, you know, loyalty schemes to uh, events, sponsorships, local schools, etc. There are very few brands that have the local decision making power to make decisions and get involved in those things, which is just ridiculous. So effectively, if you're a manager of a multinational brand, you're effectively a pauper. You open up the shop, you close the shop, you count the money and you serve the, the boardroom. That model has to shift because there's also a local relevancy. And um, I did I did some talks actually for major brands around this. And, uh, you know, there's some successful ones that really focus on where they're from and their authentic yeah. brand. And that one of them would be something like Seaside, yeah. where you know it's Cornwall, that you associate it with it and it feels much more authentic. Um, so those are big ones. But I, I know where I live in Saltaire, I, um, it's got it's a nice creative place. You know, it's it's. It's a lovely place and um, it's got these little local independent clothes shops and things like that. Now, they're selling branded stuff, designer stuff, but they've, what, they've picked and chosen those items uh, because they're appropriate mm. to the community they serve. So one day, I was this was a few years ago, I bought myself the most beautiful pair of red shoes I've ever had in my life. They were just gorgeous. <laughs> and they were from uh, Poetic Lightings. Yeah. Uh, regular choice they're particularly quirky one might say right so I'm on the train commuting into Leeds and a woman looked down at my feet and she said that's so very Saltaire (laughs) now I I didn't know how to take it she then said irregular choice and I felt like slapping her but um but basically she was talking about obviously the major brands and I hadn't really had the and now I understand what, what I bought. I just like them for shoes. They're lovely shoes. But this is a point of you having a local style, mm. a local identity that pinpoints you. And I love that. And I think there's such a lack of that. It's like, who wants to go in and feel like this is just a transplanted experience that has nothing to do with where I live, who yeah, I yeah. am? But there are brands like Primark, et cetera, that succeed in spite of that. Um, you know that there's there's you know that people want that but I think a lot of it is chasing the lowest possible denominator of price Mm -hmm. 
And that is, again, a very unsustainable practice. Every bargain you get has cost someone somewhere something, whether it's safety, you know, their mm-hmm. life, the, uh, the environment. They're a basic. So I think we all in any retail town centre placemaking, any any economic regen, any area, we need to be helping customers join the dots that where they shop and how they shop. <laughs> changes where they but, live but jackie this is and, and i love the argument of this i love that this this conversation <laughs> can can go in so many different ways I, I i i think it's a really powerful topic um but where where does for example the the, the people that choose to to shop in primark maybe this isn't a conversation for now maybe this is for another day but that that's where they see you know they they have a they have a, a restricted budget. This is what they can afford, and this is what they can get there. So, how do you change that that mindset? Well, first of all, that you take away the fact that it isn't always as cheap as people mm-hmm. think, um, and that the, there are costs that are being borne by other people. Yeah. I think if people were more aware of that, in some cases, um, with the real cost of fast fashion, they might think twice about spending money that way. And I think there's a growing during COVID, there was a growing appreciation of the environment and more ethics and, and more interest, particularly among younger people around provenance yeah. and, and yeah. what's going on. So that, that for, for a start, makes makes it important that we start to set, tell a different story. But also the price thing. There's a lot of delusion around price. You know, it's, it's a very it's a psychology mm-hmm. pricing. And there's a belief that local shops are more expensive and that that online is always cheaper and all of these things. And they're all they can all be debunked. You can find examples. So, for instance, you can go for a oh, well, I get this three for two uh, deal with one of the major brands. Then you look at a a little stationery shop and actually buying one thing, which is actually all you need, is cheaper than the three for two deal anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there's a whole part of it is visibility that our local small businesses aren't as visible as the bigger brands they don't have the big marketing budgets they can't shout as loud and so that's why what we do is to try and bring them together so there's a collective voice for where you live that's shouting and and obviously it can't be as powerful as amazon or primark but it's certainly got an emotional connection that those brands might not have so how Um, how does shop happy actually work then what's what's the theory behind it what what was your eureka moment uh, my eureka moment was thinking, can't we just buy what we want from our local shops and just go through one checkout like yeah. we can on Amazon? Uh, and can't we just get a click and collect after the shops have closed? Because you try and speak to your local greengrocer and say, hey, mate, do you mind opening till nine o'clock because I come home late from work? I'm not going to tell you what they say in response, <laughs> but I, I have had the experience. Of I would imagine that they say, um, look, we've got to watch <laughs> Below Decks Mediterranean tonight. So no, we can't. Is that right? <laughs> Straight, yeah, <laughs> not quite, but they do say I was up at three. You, <laughs> la, 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 la. Um, so uh, you know, basically, it's giving them a shop window that's twenty four seven that enables you to get the convenience that you can get from online, but with the local conscience. So basically, you know that you, when you're spending, mm-hmm. you're investing in a local business that's going to then be there when your friends come round and you actually have got free time. You can show off about what a lovely yeah. place you live in rather than going, oh, yeah, there used to be shops here, but actually they're not there now, and blame someone else. It's not someone else's fault, mm-hmm. it's yours. Yeah, you didn't yeah. go. Yeah, it's, it's, that, it's that, old, that old thing, you, you use it or you lose it, isn't it, really? So it's, we've, we've got to find a way of encouraging people back it or, or maintaining. Part of it is making yeah. it easy. You're making it easy. And I think the on, we've got, you know, one pound in every three is now being spent online since COVID. It was one pound in every five prior Seriously? to COVID. 
So it's a great, yeah, it's a great number of consumers that are now online. It might stabilise. I reckon it'll go back down again mm-hmm. a little bit. But I don't think it'll ever be, I, I think it'll always be higher now than £1.75. Mm. But you always, when you saw that um, level of spend prior to COVID, there was also a significant drop in full yep. footfall, which was usually, you know, anything between 10 to 20%. So if if you've got one in, you know, what business can take that kind of level of... Well, you can't, can you? And it's hit, it's hit the, um, it's hit, hit non-food mm. harder. You know, if you're in the clothing and fashion, if you're in gifts, things that can be sort of bought and don't need to be touched, felt, or smelt, yeah. it's not an issue. Um, uh, because uh, Amazon will undercut yeah, yeah. you, and um, uh, or any of the other, you know, the boohoo's of this world. And so that's the, that's a depressing thing that a lot of this is being controlled by people who don't understand. That shopping isn't just about getting yeah, things. Yeah. Uh, and and we need people to re- remember it isn't just about getting things. There is a whole social value to going out and meeting people who are passionate about the good good things. There's serendipity. It's really important for our own human experience. But p- online has to play a part of it. For those that still don't want to go out, we need to have our local high streets competing as marketplaces and giving them that choice to get the online but with the local conscience. The more you make people aware of the joining the dots, the more they will join those dots. And the easier you make it, that's about behavioural change. Shop Happy is really centred on trying to change behaviour. So we have more positive behaviours towards happy places, happy people, happy planet. Yeah. That's it. So, so in effect, just so that I can get my, my, my head around this, I'm not even going to pretend that I don't shop because I obviously do. And I, I, I do. I love mm. shopping. I prefer food shopping, to be honest. But, um, oh, yeah. Just so that I can get my head properly around Shop Happy, I, I will, on my way to work, spend the time getting the, the necessities via Shop Happy that I can pick up from my local community, wherever that might be, in the town centre or street, mm. on my way home in the evening from a central point. Is that it in in a nutshell? Or yeah, yeah, but it's not just yeah. food; it's anything you could pick up a top or whatever, gifts, anything. You could support five or six retailers, whatever. You go to an evening collection wow. point and everything's there for you. Or you get yeah. it home delivered because home delivery is something we added, obviously, for COVID. What was interesting about that is that um, it made sure that older people that were using the high street could still mm-hmm. stay stay with the friends. You know, they have friends yeah. on the high street. So 40% of our users are over 50 and a large percentage are over yeah. 55 and 40% are under mm-hmm. 34. So it's getting to family groups that potentially never had the time to go shopping their discovery. But ideally with Shop Happy as well, you might just use it as a shop window to plan your trip. So you have a look and you go on Saturday, I'm going to go in because I know this shop stops yeah. what I want and we'll have a day of it. And it, we make a much better high street if we have people in it. And none of these businesses have set up to be yeah, warehouses. Yeah. They've set up because they like meeting people and talking to people and, and real friendships are made on the that- high street. And that's what yeah, it's your community. That's what makes your kids safe. And that's the thing, isn't it, Jackie? That's you know? that's what we're we're yeah. forgetting. With perhaps this, um, I don't know this this sort of the modern day supermarket where you go in and everything's exactly where you want it. it you you've taken away mm. that experience of going out and meeting your colleagues, your friends, and everyone wandering up and down the street. I know my colleague Andrew, who um, and he'll. I'm not talking behind his back or anything on this, um, but my colleague Andrew will take, I think Stony Stratford High Street's maybe a kilometre long, so just about 0.8 of a mile long. 
he might take an hour and a half to get down there with the number of people that he bumps into on the way and, and talk. Yeah. But without that, then, you know, there's, there's a massive knock-on effect then, really, on, on local community well-being, full stop, isn't there, really? Oh, totally. We become siloed. It's very much like, you know, through COVID, we all had an experience of loneliness. Even if you were in your family, mm. you were lonely because you lose the interaction of your group yeah. with another group. So I think it was, um, there was a big thing years back, there was a, a book written by Cheryl Turkle called yeah. Alone Together, which was all about, you know, social media, that you'd be sort of sharing your statuses and everything else. Everyone looks like they're together, but actually everybody's very mm. much alone. And there is something very real, tangible about going in and saying hello and and, and popping in. And one of our art shops, because I said, I've obviously been chatting to the shops and businesses about how it's mm-hmm. been, you know, first weeks of reopening. And this was a little art shop in Scarborough. And she said it was amazing because she said I had customers coming in. I was much busier than I thought I'd be. And she said one customer came in with a bottle of Prosecco (laughs) to celebrate the fact that was open again. And they were all asking about the classes and just generally excited about it. So maybe this was the wake up call that, um, you know, we perhaps needed to remember how important social interaction is. It's a harsh way of learning it. And I never want to go through that again. But um, I don't think we'll be the same after it. I think we'll always value social uh, engagement yeah, in person. Yeah. I was, I was, I was listening ever. to um, a chap called Dan Butner, um, who has done a lot of work with National Geographic on um, blue zones around the world. So different, different areas where the average life, the average life expectancy is over 100. Um, and one of the things mm. that he came out really early on in his presentation was that the, the the physical act of being lonely is as damaging, and, and this might have been glorified for the conversation he was having, but is as damaging as cigarettes. And I think we've seen that yeah. in during the last sort of 12, 12, 14 months, haven't we? Just how awful that, that is, really. Well, it's sedentary yeah. lifestyle as well. I mean, a lot of us, I, I've been the, probably the worst. I mean, I've, other people were getting habits of going on a run and I was getting a habit of eating a lemon <laughs> drizzle cake, slice of lemon drizzle cake at three o'clock every day. And strangely, you can't put that on Strava or whatever you call it. Um, but, um, so I've, I've got some serious, you know, issues to resolve in my own fitness. But I know that this, this sedentary lifestyle and this kind of screen time, it's important. You know, you've got to work and wherever yeah. you can work, great. But getting out and about is healthy. It's going to be better for public health. It's going to be better for mental health. It's get better for the local economy. It's creating jobs, supplies. I mean, these are all yeah, obvious yeah. things. So we, but what we've had is a lack of investment in these amazing spaces. And so what's been really positive that's come out of it is the relationships between local councils and retailers, I think, has got stronger because the councils have, uh, you know, been in charge of giving out uh, digital, you know, it, not digital, giving grants, out yeah. grants yeah. and support. Um, and um, they're, they're, there's been more recognition of the important social fabric these places have, how much they represent. And the other thing is this changing dynamic. I mean, we, I remember years ago looking at a planning document for where I live and getting really upset by the fact that the, the city councils were kind of describing some areas which I thought were lovely as travel to work areas <laughs> and it's like what is a travel to work area imagine living in a place a travel, to work. As a travel yeah. to work area um, and what that means is we don't have to invest in that really it's a travel to work area so basically you need housing maybe a few little cafes and you're done and we need to shrink the retail footprint and all these things and then you look at that counter to trends like the 15 minute 
city that everything should be within five yeah. minutes, 15 minutes of you. That's surely a better way that you should have local shops and services that you shouldn't have to rely yeah. on a car journey. And that, uh, and, and that the city-centric living has to restabilise. So it means smaller, out of town. I grew up in, in London, in Waltham Forest. And as a kid, I felt like uh, the, the real exciting yeah, place yeah. was the West End. Um, and where I lived was really <laughs> boring, right? Um, now, um, actually, there's loads going on in Waltham Forest, but perhaps it wasn't yes. promoting itself yeah. at that time uh, as well as it could do. So isn't it great that you'd have these town centres like Palmer's Green, like, you know, Leightonstone, et cetera, that you feel like, oh, I, you feel pr- you know, I feel proud of where I live. I, I can go out. I know people. I feel safe. I've got things. I can get yeah. what I need rather than all these people with rucksacks on their back delivering stuff because you're not moving out of your mouth. Like, what are you going to do next? Move into a warehouse? Make it easier for the commerce giants yeah, get to a, serve you? Maybe get a bigger door. Warehouse. Yeah. yeah. Just live in a warehouse. I know. I know. I've been talking to Leightonstone and, and um, you know, Wolfram Forest and that. And that I know, having been down, I spent many, many years down sort of Stratford Way in East London and um, working on some of the regeneration down there. But you go into certain areas of the community where they have street markets, for example, and the vibrancy in the whole of that community is just immense, isn't it? And I've seen it. Yeah, yeah I've, totally I've seen it lovely. in... Um, there's a flower market that, that's done on... Cromwell yeah. Road, is it? No, not Columbia Hello, Road. Columbia Road. It. Yeah, it just yeah. blows your mind, doesn't it? On a Sunday morning when everyone's just out, almost relaxed from being, you know, with other people and in nature and um, it's just yeah. immense, isn't it? Well, it's a deeply cultural, yeah. deeply cultural, this, uh, of, of our own sense of identity yes. and where we belong. And we need to really focus on that because we're in great danger. There's a policies coming in in government which are around repurposing retail so basically landlords could buy a shop and turn it into a residential unit so it's a great way of making money commercial yeah. units are low price get them convert it into a, a rental now i'm not denying the housing crisis yeah. there is but you start replacing commercial hearts you've got a real yes. major problem in job creation and it's a bit like years back they had the in paris and i mean decades ago this kind of ville nouvelle happened which was like you had the paris as the center and you yeah. had these new towns and these new towns were simply blocks of flats they were just simply places where people lived and everyone no heart. Into paris and there was a whole phrase which was metro boulot dodo which was uh, tube work sleep yeah yeah that was it and of course these become centers yeah. where it's unsafe that that there's uh, people are incredibly dejected, detached from society, isolated. It's uh, it, there are horrible implications of that, and at the moment there is not a control on what could be done here. The basic the government is pushing for it to be freed up, let people buy these properties. No, yeah. this is too important. And what what you also see is communities also galvanising around their local shop. There's little villages uh, near us and. Uh, you know, there was a community shop that wasn't working very well. Uh, not a community shop. There was a, a shop that wasn't working very well. And the shop owner wanted to transfer and change the shop into a residential because he could make rent out of it. But for that village, that community mm. shop was super important. So they managed to take ownership of it. And now wow. it's a viable business. So there's organisations like the Plunkett Foundation that are working on helping communities preserve the services and take community ownership of it. 
and we're going to see more of that definitely that in the be... high street i think community pubs community breweries you, you name it i think it's going to well come I, I know ownership. i know with with jill our, our other partner in the network who you've known for for a while um Jill's yeah. one of Jill's colleagues um, has just recently bought into a community pub down here in uh, in Milton Keynes, um, but it was um, it was it was something that I wanted to come back to actually because just thinking where you are in Saltaire, there's this massive rich fabric of history that that you've got. I mean, it's a purpose built town and. What is it? The eighteen hundreds, mm. the eighteen thirties, eighteen forties. Yeah. Um. And and you've still got yeah. this pedigree of history that that must come through that now. How do you compare that with like a, a new town, for example, like Milton Keynes, where you know we've got these these springing pockets of of uh, new residential that don't have this historical pedigree. So there's no cohesion in the community really there so how do you design for something like that well i think that the thing is that salt air has, uh, has its pedigree from its yeah. history and its shared history but it also is a dynamic place it's it's an ever-evolving community and that there's new festivals that have been created that come out of it art uh, you know it's got an artistic community that hasn't come as a result of Titus salt and his houses it's just perhaps come from the people that live here so i think the first point point is let people uh share what they do share their history yeah. share their stories and yeah. share their products and there's a great initiative that uh, i was really happy to be on that panel because uh, sam paul was on it uh who's doing this yes. love local hub and i found that really fascinating idea and something which we've looked at there's various sort of pop-up type of experiences and markets are essentially that as well like craft markets art mm. markets that kind of thing so on Shop Happy, we did lots of virtual marketplaces during COVID because these micro businesses tell your story and beca- become the heritage um, and become the culture. And so giving more opportunities for micro businesses to enter physical spaces to make it more identifiable as a unique, unique space is a big, big and important thing to do. So I, I really mm. admire what she's doing. Um, and I think there's really a lot of tie-ins uh, with that. But I, I say the starting just because something's modern and new doesn't mean it doesn't have a culture. It, the culture and the heritage is the people yep. that move into it, and then it's giving them the opportunity to be it, yeah. be the assets, you know, take and, over the assets and not make it something that becomes automatically transplanted. So, so they, they they've got this opportunity to create it themselves, and they. they bring their own mark yeah, well, all of the communities are creating yeah. they're ever evolving the, the 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 worst bit is that when you lose those assets they don't come back so that's a big thing about uh things not being cyclical um and uh, yes yeah, so they're, not, they're not being cyclical they don't come back so once the shop's gone the shop's gone yeah. there's nothing you can yeah. do wow jackie you've you've blown my mind you really have um to be honest you you, you did <laughs> um I, I'm I'm be perfectly honest with you, Jackie. I was a little bit daunted to to talk to you. Just your title and and your history and everything beforehand, <laughs> and and you're very you're very forthright, aren't you? So it's it's um it was it, I, I was a little bit daunted on the evening of the conversation to 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 have you on the panel. But the amount that I took away from the whole of that evening and and also this conversation that we're having at the moment is just just astounding, really. I think we had. Um, a whole list of questions to get through um, really today, but I don't think I've asked that many really, to be honest, Jackie. And it's no, no I'm it's, sorry, it's been amazing. <laughs> but I think you should no, do well, I think, I think we should. No, it... I think we should. I, I'm, yeah. I'm really, 
I'm really interested in how uh, I, I come from a construction background, so I'm, I'm really interested in how how as builders and as as you know, I've 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 built, um, and you're probably not going to be very happy with this, but I've I've been involved with things like building Westfield shopping centres. I built. Well, no, I like shopping centres. I like yeah, yeah. Westfield Hearts. It's just <laughs> yeah. a, you know, I am. I, I um I I I helped build the one in Bradford in the centre of Bradford not not that long ago. Oh, um, did you? Blimey! Now that was a wasn't it just? Project. Yeah, I mean, it was a hole for years, wasn't oh. it? Is but it really it's brilliant now? The Broadway is. Yeah, it's really yeah. coming to its yeah. own. It's a really yeah. nice. Yeah, well, that, yeah. That, um, yeah, that that was quite a nice one to build. I, the um, I, I built or I helped build. I didn't build personally. I didn't. Yeah, I'm not not. <laughs> you did it yourself. My, my wife won't even let me do DIY, so I ain't going to build a shopping centre. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was involved with um, Westfield down in London. Both of them at Stratford and. Um, uh the other one shepherd's bush um and and just you know the yeah. scale of these things and they suck they suck you, i think you mentioned it earlier they've got to have the key stores in there and they and and everything and they yeah. suck them in and that's that's completely different to what we look at or what we're looking at on the high street because you know these are experienced days out they, they have a, a team of people that encourage you in for more than just the shops don't they and and maybe that yeah. maybe some of that there, there's some learning that we can take from that onto the high street and the pop-up stuff that you're talking i yeah. just think and then more community minded a lot of the best shopping centers now have a they have more independence yeah. in them they do pop-up events and they consider their community edmonton green shopping center in enfield is a really? good example of that where they've got yeah. a true commitment yeah they're doing a lot of stuff with their community so i think for all or for all the businesses, whether you're big or small, whether you're a chain, a shopping centre, a big commercial entity, you've got to understand you have a stake yes. in the community. Uh, you're yeah. like a tree. When a tree is felled, people get really upset in their community yeah. about that tree. And it's rather like that. And if, if, if a Debenhams closes, for, the, for Debenhams, it's a tragedy. Lots of people have lost their jobs and a postcode has disappeared from their portfolio. For community, it's an insult. It's a slap in the face. It yeah. doesn't work. It's a it's a yeah. mark against us, and and I, that's where I think there isn't good enough stewardship, and responsibility and understanding of how important you're not just a commercial entity, you're a so cultural state. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a not, not a limb because I think you probably know where I'm coming from with this. Then Jackie, so we started off the conversation and we were talking about um, boardroom decisions. We were talking about management mm. of the high street, um, management of the high street, and some of the poor decisions that are taken by perhaps local authorities or whatever. Um, in the management of the high street, how important is it to get that diversity of management in the actual team of people that are that are planning it, that are doing all of that management? And I don't just mean cultural diversity. I mean um, even age diversity. Oh yeah, I think I think uh, so. I'm, I'm on uh, the high street task force, and a lot of uh, what they look at is in terms of stakeholder yeah. engagement. So, to what extent? Uh, decisions um kind of in, uh, people included in the discussions are allowed to sort of voice their thoughts and, yeah. and influence uh what happens in their area and i think it's a bit of a mishmash of how that is i think i think to be honest local authorities have stepped okay. up incredibly over yeah. the last 12 months in most areas i've seen and have had to take on a huge amount of responsibility and new roles 
and I think it's easy to bash. I think there's a lot of council mm-hmm. bashing goes on and landlord bashing, and all of it's not happy, not helpful because yes. it polarizes people. Essentially, there are lots of people trying to do good things in different ways in their community. So it's a matter of getting a town team, a different stakeholder group. You won't get everybody on board. Not, you know, design by committee is not the issue here. You need leadership. You need to make decisions that are fundamentally right for the future because of all sorts of trends that you should strategically yeah. be aware of, such as sustainability in the planet. But, you you know, you go on those cores and then you find the way of getting to that end goal in ways that are, are authentic to the community and feel comfortable. But you can't expect everybody to agree. And I think this is where you allow pockets of pop-ups. I mean, there's some great examples of city regeneration where various communities are, are able to create their own identities. I was I always remember going to uh, Toronto, and Toronto is very much like a patchwork. Mm. And it's so exciting that you go into a new area and you, you feel it's like you've all, all got its own little identity. Community. Yeah. Absolutely, and it supports everybody. So I think um, there are stakeholder representation. Look at the trends yeah. that are around you. Look at what's happening in the wider world. Don't just think about retail. Um, think about what's close to people's hearts and you try to build a strategy that keeps people happy but also gives pockets of innovation mm-hmm. and disruption brings it to the fore don't just play and, safe. I, and I think that's 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 the nub of it isn't it Jackie there I think um, what what you're saying and we, we had a conversation a month previous to our conversation about, about employment um, and one of the, the the big things that came out of that is how employment by any business should be value driven um and so that the people that you're bringing into into the into the business and to the organization understand the values of the business and the organization that reflect the community that you're trying to trying to create and i think you're talking about exactly the same thing really isn't it it's about having a value driven you identify your values this sustainability and and everything else that goes with it the environment um, and develop your community um, on on the back of those values that you're looking at. Yeah, on the pillars. pillars which, yeah, and it's yeah. pillars of, of stuff. I think there was a lot. That the problem we've had is everybody chasing. Someone does something, and then yeah, yeah. everybody does the same thing, and then everything becomes the same again. And we, there was a recent article I saw, and it was about food halls and all these uh, equity investors were going, "Oh, we're going to get food halls." <laughs> and I thought, "Oh gosh, now every town yeah. will have a food hall." with the street food thing yeah, where's yeah. the differentiator everybody yeah. wants to be altering them it's not it, it, you need you need to make the you know allow pop-ups allow what's happening anyway to come out into your community so that's giving up pop-up experiences you know like what could happen with the love local hub but also markets are re- that's why markets mm. have been so important they're like an entrepreneurial pipeline community uh, experiences and thinking we i'm doing some work at the moment with barnsley i'm i'm, I'm really pr- proud to be part of a group yeah. where they're looking at inclusivity and um they what they'll do is they'll walk, walk in someone else's shoes and wow. look at your town center and uh, you know i work with socially excluded young people that were you know in the 15 i said oh you know what do you think about the high street it's <laughs> boring and I was like, it's not boring, it's exciting. Then I suddenly looked at myself and I'm a 50-year-old woman telling a 15-year-old <laughs> the high street's exciting. Uh, you know, take a cold, hard look at yourself. So basically, yeah. walk in their shoes. And the problem is, we'll say things like, I mean, a great quote today from someone who said, uh, we spend all the time t- chucking teenagers out of shops. 
because we think they're shoplifting. And the minute they're earning any money, we're telling them to come back in. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we need to sort that out. We need to not see young people as dangerous and enemies. And we need to be thinking what is, what is interesting, what would bring them back. Because that habit, if, if, if we're not careful, there is a certain uh, decade, two decades, three decades that we, that we have of a high street yeah. being vibrant. And then it's dead because there won't be a population that's used to there go was, um anymore. Slightly, slightly off topic, but related. There's there's a book by Matthew Saeed, um, a journalist, and the, and the book's called Rebel Ideas. Um, it's all about cognitive diversity. Um, and one of the things that he's yeah. talking about in there, um, and I know what's going to happen now, Jackie, is I, I had this point firmly fixed in my head, and now I've started <laughs> talking. It's just floated away with the pollen in the air. Um, yeah, he was, he's, he's talking about co- uh, cognitive diversity and, um, Jackie, just tell me a joke whilst I can, whilst I collect my thoughts, cause it's completely gone. Uh, horse walks into the bar, farmer's there, blind on face, that's about as good Have you, um, my, one of my son's favourite jokes at the moment, actually he just laughs cause I tell it to him, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he hates it cause I'm a dad, but is, um... Mm. What cheese do you use when you look at yourself in a mirror? Oh gosh, I had the bad cheese joke book. I don't know what. Hello, what, me. What do you? What is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I knew it. Oh, Jackie, it's gone somewhere. completely now. It's never coming back. It's never. Oh, it's never it. coming back. That, that one. <laughs> it was. It was really. It was well. really good about cognitive. I'm gonna. I'm good, just gonna stumble and never find it. But. Um, Jackie, I, I, I've <laughs> taken up so much of your time, but I, it, honestly, it's been so enlightening and, and really, really valuable. I, I think, genuinely, I think we, we need to do the future of the high street part two. Um, ah, there we go. Yeah. That's, it's come back to me now. Um, right, before it disappears, right, um, Matthew Said talks about a shadow board. Uh, so it's all about business ideas, cognitive diversity in there, and he talks about yeah. shadow board, and the shadow board being considerably younger i.e. young people mm. within their 20s compared to the main exec board of a business who typically in their 45s to 60s. And that yeah. could be replicated within everything that we've spoken about, really. Even younger, going back down to, to the 15-year-olds that, that you said the high street was so exciting to, um, couldn't it? And, and to have that yeah. depth of, of, of experience there... To, but well, I mean, effectively talking to the to the sort of the teenage group, they're going to be the people that are going to be shaping the future of the world in ten, fifteen years' time, aren't they? So, no, they are. I think younger people, and mm. I also think a lot older people, and I think also people, you know, yeah. different religions, every everything. We need, we yeah. need to have more diversity in our town centre decisions and shadow boards is a great idea for getting walking in other shoes because sometimes it's difficult to to see where the barriers are or to see where the blockers yeah. or the discomfort is and uh, we've seen it a lot recently yes. around women's safety um to what extent uh, you know planning has not been designed yeah. it's been designed by white men and and we need to review that and look at everything that we've done especially as more of us will become more home-based and more more integrated into our communities but also i think as communities disperse more widely so we're working in small you know more further away from maybe where our Mm. main employer hubs are i think it will change how we engage with our own uh physical high streets but i love the idea of shadow yeah it is isn't it yeah 
isn't it really it's sense checking does this no but you're not but you, what i think we've got to accept is there no. are no safe options but the most dangerous yeah, option it's to stand is not still isn't it completely Jackie, yeah. right i'm i'm i run the risk of chatting your ears off all afternoon or, or getting you to chat so <laughs> i'm um i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna end it there and and say jackie you've been amazing i've I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation we will put a date in the diary for the future of the high street part two um i I think also if if we can pinch your time more we've got other topics as well that we'd love to have conversations about particularly about communities because i think that's that's just going to be so powerful um so yeah, and anything on creativity, I love all that stuff as well. I, you know, generally really like it to hear progressive discussions and, and new ideas. So um, I'm really happy oh, to bless you, Jackie. Thank you so much. Well, um, Jackie, thank you ever so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This has been the podcast by The Network. Thank you ever so much. <laughs>